everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm your host, Angie Miller. And today I'm bringing a topic to you that I think is so significant in the world of health and fitness and wellness. And that is the future of personal training. And I think that the future personal training applies to many of us, not just those who practice as personal trainers, but to the clients who go to work with personal trainers. And I was in Singapore in June, and we held a big panel discussion on the future of personal training. There were a couple of colleagues of mine that were on this panel. And again, we were at the Fit Summit speaking about it in Singapore. And we really deep dive into what is the future of personal training and specifically how is that going to impact our clients and better meet their needs? Because as the world is evolving, and we're paying more attention to wellness and good health inside and out. We also, as trainers and fitness instructors and coaches, we have to evolve as well to meet the demands and the changing needs of our clients. So today I'm bringing one of my fellow panel colleagues onto the show. His name is Stuart Liversidge, and he is a business development manager for Active IQ. Stuart has been in the training business for so long, and I loved his answers at the panel and just the, his insights into the world of training and how we adapt to our clients' needs. So I'm going to bring Stuart in and let him introduce himself. How are you doing, Stuart? Hi, Angie. Hello, everybody, and thank you very much for having me today. How did I do with your last name? Did I do okay? <laughs> You've done absolutely fine with that, yeah. All right. So, Stuart, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and where are you coming from today? Um, so I'm in the UK. I'm based just outside of Liverpool in the northwest of England. Um, and today we've got a rare bit of sunshine, so it's not raining. OK, so all the way from the UK, here you are. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know we're on very different time zones, so I really appreciate you joining us and joining all of our listeners and specifically our NASM and APA audience and those out there who are just interested in health and fitness. So, Stuart, when we were on that panel, we talked about, you know, the future of personal training and how fitness, health and wellness has evolved so much. And that means that we have to deliver services differently. We have to adapt to the changing needs of our clients who are invested in wellness inside and out. And I think that, you know, today what I specifically want to cover is some of the ways that trainers can expand their knowledge ways they can upscale their services and how we can kind of keep trainers in this space so that we do have enough people to provide services for our clients. So I know when we were at the panel, well, first, Stuart, actually, before I even get into that, my apologies. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, so that we can give some context to why you're on here, other than the fact that we're just friends and we met in Singapore? Yeah, well, why not? Yeah, invite your friends to work day. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been in the fitness sector in the UK for over 20 years now. Um, I know I don't look that old, as a lot of people tell me, but I started out in the fitness space um, as a fresh-faced student from university, um, started lifeguarding and moved through all the various positions within the UK fitness sector from lifeguard, gym instructor, personal trainer. Um, I've been a personal trainer two or three times, I think now. I think three times I functioned as a PT. Um, I also moved through the operational roles of gym management in the UK. So I was a fitness manager, an operations manager, a general manager, 
one of my most enjoyable jobs in the in the UK was to work as a business mentor and PT recruitment specialist within the sector. And I used to do that across the north of England. So it got to take me to lots of different towns. I got to meet lots of different personalities, lots of different people that wanted to enter the sector and to understand why they wanted to come in and how they wanted to help their clients. And I think naturally, after um, after a number of years within the sector, I wanted to move into a position where I could impact on more professionals. Um, so I went from a, a general manager where I could operate, you know, with a with a team of ten to fifteen trainers on site, and I then went to the uh, to the regional element where I could start to educate people from across the country, basically, to impact on on more visions of theirs. Okay. So you've had a really good journey and, and, uh, you know, props to me for actually remembering to ask you about it. Right. <laughs> so like, who is this? And why is he on here? Gee, and should have your guests introduce themselves. So I like that because you started out in an active role as a PT, but you've also done operations, general management, and to your mm-hmm. a mentor to trainers was, you know, that makes sense to me that that would be your favorite, just, kind of doing business mentorship and bringing, meeting all different trainers from all different spaces and kind of helping them rise to the occasion and be their best self. So that's why you're here, Stuart. So, (laughs) so, you know, one of the things we talked about in the panel is here's this space of nutrition, mental wellness, or mental health, wellness, recovery, all these things have come into the forefront. You know, it feels like before we were focused on body, 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 change, reshape, adjust, whatever it is, weight loss, all those things were body related, always external stuff. And now we're saying, you know what, we need to pay attention to mental health and nutrition. We need to talk about wellness and recovery. And all that said, then that means that the role of the PT, I think, has evolved dramatically. I think that the expectations have increased. I think that, you know, it's interesting to me. I, side note, I just went into a doctor this morning because I'm having a rib problem. And I have slipping rib syndrome. Turns out it's pretty painful. And, um, it's so specialized, right? He was naming like four different people I could go to if I want to do this. And then I go to this person if I want to do this. And I think that, you know, before you even deep dive into this, I think it's important to contextually remember that while medical providers have really, uh, you know, distilled their services and gotten very niche, I think that's what trainers are doing as well. We're becoming more niche in our services. So how do you think our role has changed over the past few years with this influx of new expectations that clients are like, what do you know about nutrition? What do you know about mental health? How, how do you think it's evolved or changed? Oh, gosh, it's, it's changed so much over the years that, that even I've functioned as a PT. You know, starting back in early 2000s, it was, it was very much a case of shaping the physique guys wanting big muscles, girls wanting toned stomachs. And and it was it was quite simple in its approach, I think, in, in how you could service clients on the gym floor. I think um, over the, the past kind of two decades, there's been a huge awareness around mental health, around the output of the body being more than just training. It, you know, it, it, it's 
it's got so much more to a foundation of stress management, food and nutrition management, you know, even down to enjoyment factors within the gym to, to enhance adherence to the training programs. I think back to early 2000s when I was working with clients and in many ways you were doing some of the elements back then, you know, I would often work as a, a sort of a counsellor for clients, you know, you'd be talking to them about their days, you know, how's, how's life at home, how's stress while you were training them. And that was part of the service that they came to you for. Whereas now we've actually categorised that and it's called life coaching, you know, and that kind of element is, is massive within building that relationship between client and trainer. And, and obviously the, you know, we know the stronger relationship you have between trainer and client, the, the, the more they're going to adhere to the program, the, the more sessions they're going to have with you and, and, the, and the longer in theory, they'll stay with you as a client past their initial goals. But nowadays, people are a lot more aware of that. The consumer, the client, they're more aware of that. They want to know that you, you've you researched it, that you've got a viewpoint on it, that you might have even done a qualification within it. And whilst that is fantastic and it all goes towards broadening the swim lane of, of where personal trainers can actually operate, we also need to be respectful of you know professional boundaries in these areas. Sure, you can do nutrition qualification, but are you registered with the, you know, the, the medical council as a nutrition guidance or, you know, you might have done a life coaching diploma, but how much do you want to delve into there if you're not a trained psychologist or a trained counsellor? So it's it's been such an insightful journey over the last, two, you know, 20 years, really, to see where you started from the original change in the physique to now having that holistic life view of it's not just what your client does in the gym. You have to understand their mental health and what affects that. You have to understand their sleep cycle and what affects that. And, you know, above all else, you've got to understand their, understand their psychology so that you can get them to enjoy the training and you can program the training that they will want to stick to naturally. Mm. You know what? I, I'm taking all of that in. In fact, I was taking notes. You caught me taking notes. Because <laughs> a few things came to my mind, and that is... You know, to go back to my slipping rib, um, can we just talk about that for a minute? No. Um, so <laughs> this morning he says to me, he says, literally, quote unquote, when I asked him a question about should we remove it? And he says, that's above my pay grade. Yes. <laughs> $350 bill to insurance. And I thought, classic. And, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, props to him. Because he's saying that that's out of my lane. And if you're going to go that route, now you're going to have to go to a different provider. And again, if you're going to go this route, you're going to go to a different provider. I think that we in the training business and client services business, we have to be confident enough to say that is out of my pay grade. We're probably not going to word it that way, but we have to be confident. We have to be courageous. We have to be sure enough of ourselves and what we know and what we don't know. Because I tell you what I see a lot is everyone's out of their lane. Not everyone. That was an absolute. A lot of people are getting out of their lane because mm -hmm. it's hashtag mental health. Everyone wants to talk about mental health, but let's proceed with caution. Okay. Absolutely. Because we are not treating pathology. We are not trained to treat pathology. I'm a licensed provider. I'm trained to treat pathology, but I don't do that in a personal training environment 
Well, because I would lose my license. Um, And so it's against ethics. Unfortunately, not everyone is held to those ethics. And so, but I do love that you mentioned boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think we have to stay in our lane. I also really appreciate that you said it started out shaping the physique. It was, it was actually much simpler back then. And now there is what I call wraparound services needs here. We are in the world of, of mental health and, fit and uh, medicine. We talk about wraparound services. Mm-hmm. You might need somebody to prescribe medication. You might need somebody to provide mental health services. You might need a physician, blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. I like that because I think that we have to be able to provide wraparound services. And that's why working collaboratively with other providers, in my opinion, is one of the best ways to kind of upscale our services, which we're going to get to that. But I do think to your point, it's changed dramatically. And, And even if, like you said, you take a certification or you get some knowledge just tell your client, you know, I've read about this. I know about this. I can send you some articles about this but I'm not an expert on this. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely, Angie. I think one of the best things about being a personal trainer is that you want to help people. You want to help your client. And it comes from a good space. You know, it comes from an area of you that you want to do whatever you can to help your client navigate these challenges that they're having. But that being said, you have to be aware of your scope of practice as you mentioned earlier with your, you know, with your physician, that's not an area where you're potentially going into surgery that you want to be working with a have a go hero, somebody that isn't an expert, maybe hasn't gone through specialist training and qualifications, but wants to help. And well, we'll have a go anyway, because I think I've got a good idea. You know, when you look at surgery, (laughs) <laughs> I would never say that. Um, but when you think you about surgery, hero, what do you call that? A have a go hero. Have oh. you ever heard that expression? Yeah. Just somebody that's, you know, they'll have a go. Why not? Um, maybe that's a maybe that's a Northwest thing in England. Um, but when you think about surgery, that you know, it's so um so obvious to people that that's not somebody you want operating on you or removing a rib. But when you're on the gym floor and you've got a personal trainer who's you know, you've worked with and you've built a relationship with and, and you've got a rapport and a relationship there and they start to offer you some advice, then then people start to, you know, they start to begin to believe that advice. But it's down to each individual personal trainer to respect the boundaries of their qualifications. And like you say, be strong enough and bold enough to say, I can offer an opinion, I can offer some further reading or some directed study or I can refer you through to an actual designated professional because that's with outside of my actual expertise. Um, and I think, you know, it's so important for personal trainers to continue their professional development. But like you say, know where that license to practice finishes when you're working with someone. All right. Well, of all of that, I got hooked on have a go hero. I'm pocketing that one. I'm like, I can't wait to use that one next time. Thank you, Stuart, for that little tip. Right. Come so, back to me. You uh, want anymore. <laughs> great answer, though. Thank you. I do appreciate that. And I think that you're, you're spot on in everything you said. We, we just have to be able to say, I, I appreciate that you have these concerns and needs. And it is 
beyond what my scope of knowledge is. Here's some articles, here's some resources, right? Give people resources. They don't want to walk away with just, I don't know. Right. So I wanted to walk away with a referral to the person when he said it's out of my pay grade. My goal was, well, then get me somebody who I can I can go to. All right. So let's move on. So I want to know, okay, drum roll, please. Do you think and this is strictly opinion because you and I aren't saying we're citing research here. Do you think a specialist or a generalist is more in demand in the personal training world? Such a such a key question, and I know the the UK sector is asking just that at the moment. As I imagine from what we found out in Singapore, that the worldwide sector is is curious as to how um, we can solve that staffing. I guess it comes to the side of whether you're looking from a client's perspective or whether you're looking from an operator's perspective. I think from a from a fitness um, sector where it's sort of personal trainer and client focused i think there's a a huge demand for specialism at the moment you know people are very self-aware of where their limitations lie for example you know my my personal limitations is always nutrition i love eating constantly so if i was going to if i was going to get expert advice i wouldn't necessarily need a personal trainer that does fantastic program design I can write my own programs, but I would need more support from a nutritionist. And I think there's a lot of um, a lot of people getting into fitness now that have done their research. They've spent their time on YouTube. They've they've spoken to their friends and colleagues about about their fitness and their routines and their journeys. And they come into the sector more educated around what skill sets they actually need support with. So I think from a from a specialism point of view there, we, we touched on mental health awareness, we touched on nutrition, program design or athletic performance. I think that the clients are potentially looking more for those skill sets. On the flip side, as you know, with my background as an operator, I think in the UK at the moment, there's, there's a, a big need for that generalist trainer because you know, a large percentage of our sector in the UK is commercial gyms, you know, big box gyms or or whatever you might call them, wherever you are. And and these operators, they they require their personal trainers to, to effectively run the facility. And because they're so general in their approach to their to their roles, you know, you do some personal training, you tend to do some group exercise classes, you tend to do some time on the gym floor, maybe even some sales and some cleaning. That is a great entry point for for generalist personal trainers to come into to start earning their stripes within the sector. And they can go through that experience and that growth plan, that that time on the gym floor. And that will help them to establish what specialism calls to them or what specialism their facility needs. I don't know if you remember when when I was back PTing. I told you this story when we were in Singapore that I went into my gym and I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach. Obviously, um, rugby is a big sport where I am. And um, I wanted to work with semi-professional and professional athletes in strength and conditioning, particularly for sports. Unfortunately for me, I worked with an elite strength and conditioning coach who who worked for one of the, um, the top rugby league clubs in the country. And he kind of had that niche within my gym. And whilst I could learn from him and develop my knowledge, I needed to find my own route and my own path within the gym. And the area that became apparent to me, the kind of niche that nobody was addressing um, was actually it was a, a pre and postnatal trainer. And 
I kind of fell down that route because there was there was clients there, there was a knowledge need there, and nobody else had picked that up. So as a specialism, it gave me a route to follow, but it also gave me longevity of my career because I had a niche skill set as well. So I think, like you say, when you think about your clients or whether you think about your operator or where you are as you're starting out in your PT journey, where you end up might not necessarily be where you think you will, but that's okay. And as long as you, you kind of go through that growth journey and you've got the longevity of your career because of it, you can help and impact on more people and more clients throughout it. Mm. Well, and I appreciate that story because to your point, you started out a generalist, not really knowing, well, you thought you wanted to do strength and conditioning, but realized that niche was taken. And then you felt the water, so to speak. You looked for the empty space, the space that needed to be filled and said, you know what, it's pre and postnatal. And you found your kind of golden nugget there where you could be looked upon as the expert. It would drive clientele, drive revenue. And it then, you know, became a passion. And so I like your perspective. Start out a journalist because that's what a lot of gyms want. But then yeah. figure out how you want a niche. And if you really think about medicine and you think about their training, that's kind of what they do. They they train them in all different niches, if you will, so that they can decide which one they want. And so if, if we really, again, there's a lot of parallels to medicine and what we do. And so I think that's a great idea. Just start out a generalist, take a really mm -hmm. good out. We all have to do that. However, we think our journey is going to go in life when we graduate from college versus the path we actually take. Oh my gosh, there's so many twists and turns, so many roads that we take differently as we go because we realize that our passions change and the needs of society changes. So Stuart, I wanna reintroduce you. So my name is Angie, this is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm talking to Stuart Liversidge and he is a business development manager for Active IQ. And we're talking about what does the future hold for personal trainers? But if you just tuned in and you're like, oh, I'm not a trainer, I don't have any interest, click. Before you click out, remember that specifically we're talking to you, the listener, and what a trainer can and how they can develop so that they can better meet your needs. So if you're listening to this, you can talk to your trainer about this, this material as well. So Stuart, I think that your rule or your, your opinion is start out a specialist, go to it. I'm sorry, start out a generalist, go to a specialist. And that's, that's exactly what I would advise. Um, we're not saying it's the only path to take, but it's definitely a path that will get your feet wet. So um, question for you. Where do you think that personal trainers, um, whether they're running a big business or whether they're an individual business, where do you think they fall short in building a sustainable and scalable business, even if they don't want to scale? Where do you think they fall short in building this really big, sustainable business? I guess one of the key elements that I've seen people fall short within PT is is around kind of their expectation of, of, of where they're going to go and what they're going to be involved in when they start personal training. There's so much more to the to the role than just working with clients, obviously. Um, so I think it's key to remember that they are going to be running a business. They're going to be managing their diary. They're going to be managing their time effectively they're going to be managing their finances reinvestment of finance gym rents all these kind of things you know even buying uniform if you're self-employed and you don't work for a big box gym 
So one of the key elements, I think, that any trainer that's starting out or is, is on, on their journey, on their career path right now, is to take time out to, to look at training is the bit that comes so natural. What doesn't? You know, how can you improve time efficiency? How can you improve, um, you know, your diary management and, and making sure that you don't burn out? As a personal trainer, we always want to work with more clients. You know, the training is, is the exciting part. Um, but, you know, if you're going into the gym at 6 a.m. in the morning or, or maybe even earlier nowadays with 24 hour gyms and then you're in the gym all day working with clients and you're leaving at 10 o'clock at night, you know, trying to grind and earn the money and get the client, you know, revenue through, then you're only going to be able to do that for so long before you hit the wall. Um, so one of the things that we used to teach when I when I worked for some of the uh, big box gyms as a, a business mentor was around the diary management techniques that you could look at. Um, being bold enough to know when your business operation hours were and when your admin hours weren't. So that if a client came to you and said, you know, I want to work at six o'clock in the morning, that you don't just say yes. You kind of say, well, look, you know, I'm not that trainer for you then. Let me refer you off to somebody that loves six o'clock in the morning. Um, back in the day, in early 2000s, I, my first session of the day was always seven o'clock. I'm not a morning person at all. Um, so to get into the gym at kind of half five to get your first client at six o'clock, you know, it just wasn't in my in my skill set to be that well adversed in timekeeping. So I used to say, look, you know, my, my diary started at seven o'clock. I had a break over lunch where I trained myself and do my admin. And then I'd function again in the afternoon and evening. And I had my diary planned out over four and a half days so that I had time away. Um, and that that downtime is so important, you know, whether that's where you do your enjoyable professional development stuff or you manage your books or you do your marketing. It, it's one of the biggest elements that you can address as a PT is just knowing that it is a business. You know, you're not you're not just there for the fun on the floor. OK, that was a really good answer, because, you know, it's interesting how I personally still struggle with that. And I like the way you talked about diary management. So business versus operations and setting that hard, fast line where if you do your operations, so to speak. So I Monday is a big operations day for me. And I find myself scheduling calls, scheduling, you know, getting caught up and trying to catch up. And then I never really get to the operational side of things. And that's a big uh, concern for me. And so I would add to what you're saying that if you're really just not able to navigate it and it's getting beyond, but, you know, decide what is it that's most important to you? Do you most want to provide client services? Are you better at operations? If you most want to provide client services, hire help to help you with operations. If you are really good at operations, hire trainers to provide client services and build a small business and start that way. But to your point, I think that, yes, we have to recognize that as trainers, we end up being our marketing people, our PR people, our business person, our tax person, our providing services person. And we're only one human. And we have to have some self-compassion and say, I give myself permission to not be good at everything. And let me tell you something. I've spent decades going through that narrative with myself. And to all of you listening, it's a work in progress, right? It's, it's a lot of self-talk. 
But what I, the reason why I skipped ahead, Stuart and I had some questions and I skipped ahead because I wanted to say, how do we upskill and develop PTs to get them in for longer? But I feel like we just answered that. I think one of the things that we both said is get education, find a niche eventually, if that's the way you want to go, but also do some good diary management so you navigate business and operations. Do you think that's a fair summary so that, because I know we have a couple of questions. Do you think that's a fair summary, Stuart? Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, you wear so many hats as a, as a personal trainer that's functioning each day. And you need to remember that there are tasks where you're working on your business and there are tasks where you're working in it. And, the, you know, it's very hard to be an expert in the early days. You've got to earn those stripes, you know, to, to, to move from generalist to specialist. And you develop those skills, like you said, it's been an ongoing journey. You know, I'm still the same. I, I work now in a role that's heavily diary managed. Um, I am quite organized, thankfully, um, but it doesn't always go to plan. And, you know, sometimes you end up with scheduling meetings to to satisfy other people's, you know, uh, requests rather than, you know, looking after time for yourself in your downtime. And, and it's always the simple things that get skipped, uh, but they're often the most important, I find, as well. So, you know, continuing professional development, studying more reading articles keeping up to date you know these are the things that are so important but aren't necessarily urgent you know i'm a big fan of stephen covey's seven habits of highly effective people and you know when you think about the four quadrants is it urgent and important is it not urgent not important etc and you need to be able to make sure that you've got time within your diary to cover off those quadrants where necessary hmm. Yeah, I like that book a lot. I'm glad you yeah. brought that book up because that is Changed my life. Yeah, I obviously need to reread that book so I can get better at my operations. So, uh, Stuart, Carolyn put in the chat and she said, can you give me some more information yeah. on what a generalist would be versus a specialist? And I'm going to tackle it first and I'm going to have you. I think what Stuart, if I'm, you know, if I'm to put words in, you know, in your mouth and mine, I would say that a specialist is somebody like, pre and postnatal specialist or a, a strength and conditioning coach or um, somebody who specializes in working with the older adult population versus a journalist is somebody who says, I'm going to take all types of clients right now and I'm going to try to find my lay of the land and figure out which type of client speaks to me the most. And then I'm going to become an expert in that in that space. So I'm going to read and I'm going to get certifications in pre and postnatal training or whatever that might be. Is there anything you could add to that story that you think would differentiate between a specialist and a, um, a generalist? I think I think you nailed it there, Angie, to be honest. I think, you know, when you start out in, in the sector, when you're freshly qualified or, you know, even if you're still in that first kind of year, you've, you've not really figured out where your strengths lie, you know, what what calls to you the most. And and when you start to operate within any fitness environment, there's there's other external factors. It might be the clientele coming into the gym. It might be the competition, your fellow trainers, like like in my case where you know, you look around you and you think, well, I need to find my niche. Um, so, yeah, specialisms, there's so many awesome courses out there, um, you know, no matter what country you're in, whether you're looking at an NASM course or an active IQ course. I think it's really important to, to continue to professionally develop and go and think to yourself, well, actually, this is the area that I want to go in. I'm naturally good at nutrition. I just get it. So I'm going to be the very, very best that I can be in that area. 
And I think that's where you start to earn the, the big bucks as a trainer. I think when you can take out your, your little um, hexagonal of skills and then one area starts to grow so far out, that's where the money is. Um, and it takes time to figure that out, definitely. Yeah, it's not just that's where the money is, but that's where the passion lies. Because Absolutely. when you invest so much time and energy into something, it's obviously become a passion or you wouldn't be motivated to a, to invest the time and energy. We're driven by passion. We're driven by motivation. And we're not going to keep reading and investing in something that doesn't motivate us naturally. So, Stuart, I want to close our show, but I have a really... Um, question that I loved that they asked us in our panel in Singapore. They said, what message would you write outside of a gym so that every passerby could read? And I love this question. What, what message would you write on the gym? God, I've, I've spelt, spelt, spent so much time thinking about this because, you know, you want to get the best answer that you can, but I don't necessarily think there's any one true answer. And um, if I recall back when in Singapore we were asked that question, I, I, I think I said just why not you? You know, when you when you're looking at um, people walking past the gym and they're often thinking to themselves, probably, God, I wish I could be in there. I wish I could do that. I wish I had the confidence. Well, why can't you? You know, all you have to do is take that first step. And the trainers, no matter what area you're working in, what area of the world you're in, the trainers are there to help you. So I think that as a marketing message is definitely clear to potential members and clients. Why not you? Why can't you be the best that you can be? And why couldn't you reach those goals and dreams that you've got like other people? But um, I thought of another one was kind of step in, step up and your greatest strength is within. I think that's a little bit more cliche, but I definitely like that one as well, because I think personal training is a journey that your clients go on with you. And it's about finding their inner strengths and, and finding that empowerment that you can offer them so that they can they can really grow as a character. I think back to so many clients that I've worked with and the, and the transformation that they go on personally and their personality and their life goals and their approach to life. It really is transformational. And, and that is definitely the best thing that I ever took from being a personal trainer. And I've no doubt that I will function as a PT again at some point in my lifetime. Okay, why not you? I think you should stick with that one. That one almost made me tear up because that is so contextual to so many situations. Why not you? For everyone who struggles with imposter syndrome, why not you? For everyone who says, I can't do that, why not you? I think that's a great one. So my message would be, we get you, we help you feel healthy on the inside so that you can feel healthy on the outside. So, and it's all about feel. I want you to feel healthy inside so that you can feel healthy outside. It's not about looks. So Stuart Liversidge, I'm so glad you came on. I'm going to tap you again to come back on this fall. <laughs> prepared and clear your calendar. Um, to all of you listening, whether you are interested in joining the world of health and wellness, or you're interested in becoming a professional in that space, whether you're an NASM or an APA provider or a certif certified, yeah, certified person, I really appreciate you listening. Thank you all for joining Strong Mind, Strong Body. We'll see you next week. Yeah.